1: Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. Thanks for tuning in today, I really appreciate it. This program is all about educating seniors and their caregivers, helping them make informed decisions. This is a trusted place for you and your family. As always, if you have a question, you can visit us online at Senior Care L-I-V-E, L I V E SeniorCareLive.com, or you can give us a call at 1-800-331-6445. All right. We have an excellent program for you here today. Right out of the gate at the top of the at the top of the program, would like to welcome back my friend and special guest today, Mr. David Wiley. He's the president and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And David, welcome back to Senior Care Live.
0: Thanks, Steve. Good to be here today.
1: All right. Great to have you. And before we jump into some of the things that we uh, we're wanting to cover today, just want to ask you, you know, how are you doing with vaccines and maybe vaccination of your staff there at, at Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care? And what are some of the things and, and trends that you're seeing in our community?
0: Yeah, sure, Steve. It's a it's a great question. Um, you know, I consider our team um, to be frontline workers. They're out and about in the community. We're taking care of uh, just about 500 people every single day across the community. Wow. Um, the good news is is that um, 62% of our staff are vaccinated or in the process of being vaccinated right now, and I would say the majority of them have had their their second dose. So uh, right. we're very pr- pr- proud to have been able to get that accomplished. Um, it's important to, to protect them as fast as possible. So... Um, in terms of trends, Steve, you know, I think there's probably two things that I wanna mention. One is that, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of late referrals and what that means in hospice is that when people are coming onto our service, um, they're very sick. Um, and I know that people think, well, aren't they always sick? But, you know, what we're seeing right now is is, is even worse and that our length of stay are, are very short, which means that people are dying very quickly and, um, I believe that people are just not seeking out um, health care quick, quick enough. I think the the uh, pandemic is causing people to be leery of of seeking medical medical help. So um, that is one trend that I think is important that I should mention. And I really urge people that if you're if you have an illness, if you're feeling ill, if you're sick, you know, Reach out to your primary care physician. Uh, there's telehealth available, phone calls, you know, whatever it takes. But take that direction and, and seek medical advice if you're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that's a it's a trend that's uh, just important is that there's a high need for grief support. Our team uh, um, is excellent, but uh, we're seeking, we're we're seeing uh, folks that need more help um, sooner. They're asking for more help faster. Uh, to help with with the loss of their loved ones. And um, and so that's just another trend. And, and we're here to help the, help, help the community in a variety of ways. And we'll talk a bit about that throughout the show.
1: Okay. And just some of the untold costs of this pandemic. And I agree, I see people uh, postponing their move, uh, moving their loved one or themselves to a senior care community because of the fear of COVID. But now that all of the vaccines are starting to be distributed, you know, most of the senior care communities, uh, the staff and residents have been vaccinated at least once, and many of them twice. And so, it's a much more of a safe environment. I think, uh, I, I think folks will let their guard down a little bit and have a little more trust and a little less fear. So, hopefully, we'll be on a, a positive trend moving forward, David. <laughs>
0: You know, I hope so, Steve, and, you know, we've been testing our staff members that go into long-term care communities every single week, um, and at all of the facilities that we've talked to, all of their staff, like you mentioned, and, and their residents are now vaccinated. So that is a terrific uh, milestone that we that they've been able to achieve in the community.
1: That is fantastic. All right, so David, I don't know where January went. I mean, I'm telling you, I blinked and it was gone. It was it was kind of strange. but Now we're in the February, and uh, many of us are are thinking about you know what gifts that we'll give our partners and or maybe what treats our kids will hand out at Valentine's to their friends. So, you know, but for many listeners, this may also be a time to remember the loved ones they've lost. And so, you're here today to talk with us about some resources and strategies for coping with loss and grief, and can I ask you to start out by uh, just talking to us a little bit about why it's important to talk about your grief or just discuss your grief?
0: You know, Steve, it's a great question, and uh, I'm glad to talk about this today. You know, some folks, you know, they they often think that the end-of-life journey um, as an ending, you know, when someone dies, but for their loved ones, in many ways, that's really just a start of a journey. And so feeling the void of not having that person physically in your life is very painful. and many people are also affected by the sudden absence of, of a caregiving role that they filled in sometimes for, for many years. So that, you know that's a transition that affects every aspect of your life. Uh, loss is one of life's most difficult journeys, but one that we hope ends with healing. And um, while it's common in our society to avoid, talking about death, it's very important to the healing process. And, you know, talking about the range of emotions that come after someone you you love dies, from sadness to anger to feeling uncertain or even confused about what to do, you know, it's important. Um, it's an important to learning that all of those emotions are common. And, uh, you know, naming and accepting those emotions uh, helps folks to work through those and eventually live with the grief and find joy and happiness and memories and, and not just have pain.
1: Okay. And David, just a, a, a minute ago, you had mentioned something I hadn't really thought about. Sudden, you, you, You're affected by the sudden absence of the caregiving role. And if you think about it, you may have been providing care for someone for a very long time. It's part of your identity. And now, now you're dealing with the grief of loss. Plus, you just lost your purpose and and there and that's even a, a bigger void to have to deal with I hadn't really thought that through but that's a really really important point
0: absolutely it's uh, it's something that people have to adjust to and and um, we hear that often our, our frontline team that you know that you know I'm gonna be lonely after this is over and, and that that
1: does happen okay so do you have any advice for people who've lost a loved one
0: yeah you know Steve um, talking to someone, about how you're feeling, even if you think you're doing okay, um, is important. Sometimes that could be a friend or a family member, maybe even a coworker. You know, and for a variety of reasons, it it might not feel comfortable to talk about death um, or your grief with those that are close to you, and that's okay, but it doesn't mean that you should, you know, go it alone. If If you are feeling alone or that you're struggling, you know, I'd encourage you to reach out to your therapist or counselor if you have one, or to your primary care physician who can provide you a recommendation um, if one's needed. So if your loved one died while on hospice, um, we offer free bereavement services, and those are available to you up to uh, a year after the death, and you can always contact your hospice provider anytime during that year. And uh, our team has done a phenomenal job uh, adapting to virtual appointments and really uh, helping people no matter um, what their needs are during this time.
1: And that's a really important point to uh, cover as well or for folks to understand that these bereavement services are available through your hospice benefit for up to a full year after your time of loss. So uh, that's just a, another huge benefit of of working with a hospice provider. So uh, David, what if hospice was not involved? Uh, what have you seen among people who died more suddenly or while not on hospice services?
0: Sure. You know, Unfortunately, uh, death can't always be anticipated, and it it often occurs unexpectedly, and so not being able to say goodbye to someone at a bedside or when someone dies can leave folks with uh, unresolved emotions and can be more complicated um, as part of their symptoms of grief. So for children, it can be especially hard to understand death and adjust to living without a parent um, or maybe a grandparent or a sibling, so young people almost always need extra support and across these situations, traumatic situations like violence, drug use, or even losing someone during the pandemic um, can really make the healing process more difficult. So there are resources for people who are experiencing more complicated grief and those dealing with um, the combination of trauma and loss situations that have become, you know, more common during the pandemic, frankly.
1: Okay, and can you tell us more about some of the resources available for people in these situations, David?
0: Sure. Um, There are community resources that are available, and I'll touch on a few. Uh, We have grief support through um, the Solace House Center for Grief and Healing, and that's a program of Kansas City Hospice, which uh, offers free, facilitated peer support groups where people work through guided activities and share their experience with others who've been through similar forms of loss. Uh, we work for the entire family. That includes uh, youngsters even, um, as young as three years old. And um, I think it's really important, uh, that offering. Plus, we have Passages, which is a program that is a, a unique for mental health um, counseling program. Uh, those are for folks that are dealing with more complicated grief. Uh, difficult life transitions, maybe other forms of trauma. And again, this is available for all ages, adults and children.
1: That is fantastic. For our listeners, reach out to Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care at 816-363-2600 or online at kchospice.org. We'll have more with David coming up next. But first, the Senior Care Live Question of the Week grief support is only available to those who have prolonged or complicated grief is that statement true or false the answer coming up next you're listening to senior care live on the senior care broadcasting network for more information call now toll free 1-800-331-6445 operators are standing by 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to Senior Live. Dot .com and you can stream the program to any electronic device at seniorcarelive.com or through the app radio.com. All right back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. Grief support is only available to those who have prolonged or complicated grief. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is
0: false. Steve, everyone grieves differently. And there's really no right length of time or path to healing. And grief support services are available to anyone needing the support of others. And we often say that you don't get over loss. You learn to live with it.
1: That's right. And it, this is different for every single person. And, uh, and, and I like that saying, you, you, you never get over it. You just learn to live with it and you somehow move on. I've experienced this in my own life. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's unimaginable. You think there's no way. I can move on, but you can at some point, and it is different for everyone. So uh, I'm visiting today with David Wiley. He's the president and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And uh, David, you mentioned services for kids a couple of times, and, and I know that's not an age group we immediately think of when talking about senior care and information around that. But can you tell us a little more about services for kids?
0: Sure, Steve. You know, in addition to grief support and mental health counseling for youth, Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care also provides our Carousel Pediatric Care. Uh, Carousel is the only hospice team in the region that's dedicated to the unique needs of children and families. We've had this program since 1989. You know, nobody wants to think about hospice and pediatric care, but when you need it, you need an expert, and that's who we are. And -hmm. our team provides specialized medical care but we also give families emotional and spiritual support and we incorporate art music play therapy that helps the patients and siblings cope with what's going on and uh, each year our team um, supports between 50 and 100 kids that require palliative or hospice care and you know often the siblings of the kids uh, who receive carousel care are helped through our solace house support groups or maybe one of our grief camps so Just like with the adult family members we serve, services follow them through their grief and healing journey also.
1: All right. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, February is American Heart Month, so... Uh, You're also here today to talk with us about options for people dealing with the very distressing symptoms of advanced heart disease. So tell us uh, about how hospice and palliative care fit into the care of people suffering with uh, diseases like uh, CHF, or congestive heart failure.
0: Sure. Uh, You know, heart disease can be a very difficult physical and emotional battle. Um, The symptoms can be very distressing, shortness of breath, chest pain, high blood pressure, weakness fatigue, uh, dizziness, inability to function normally, and uh, CHF in its final stages is often unpredictable and the symptoms can vary. So, you know, in the past, physicians were less likely to suggest hospice for congestive heart failure or other cardiac diseases, and that trend is now reversing, and more cardiologists are seeking uh, help for their patients who whose symptoms are overly distressing, so they can live more comfortably. And typically, patients experience you know, a, re- a recurring cycle of dramatic decline, then followed by a period of recovery. So, as a result, um, you know, a lot of uh, heart disease patients who could benefit from hospice never receive that essential emotional and physical support, which is tough.
1: So, yeah, a- absolutely. So, what are some of the signs that a person with heart disease might want to consult with Kansas City Hospice?
0: You know, Steve, um, it's important that people realize. Um, that care is available even earlier in the disease process. And Kansas City Hospice has a program called Advanced Illness Support, and that can be, begin helping just as soon as someone is diagnosed with a heart condition that requires extra care. So plus, we have palliative home health care, and that can be added when someone has needs um, in the home and before hospice is needed. And, you know, patients that are considered To be terminal or end of end of stage or end stage of heart disease when they have a life expectancy of six months or less, you know only a doctor can make those clinical determinations. But um, you know folks can always call us. They can talk to us. And if they're showing significant signs of symptoms um, of fatigue and shortness of breath, um, optimal treatment maybe have already been provided, and he or she's not a candidate for further surgical or medical interventions. Perhaps the patient has had treatments and they've made a choice that they're not pursuing them any further. So the best Mm -hmm. thing to do is to call whenever you have concerns about your heart disease. Talk to your physician and uh, or our our team can always uh, guide you if needed
1: okay all right excellent and you know we talked earlier about carousel pediatric care program just incredible i understand that you're repeating the wonderful mustache month this year uh, to raise funds for carousel and i know that i'm looking forward to growing my stash again this year in fact uh, i didn't shave sunday so i I got a little bit of a head i got a running start on growing my mustache back this year
0: (laughs) all right well we're a few days in now into the month and um, we appreciate you so much you've been involved the last couple of years and we have a little video out there that's uh, featuring your your outstanding stash. Um, <laughs> so this, this month, it, our, our event is – it's all virtual, it's, uh, but it's not short on fun. You can visit the event site, which is MM4, which stands for Mustache Month 4. So literally MM, the number 4, carousel.givesmart.com to see our current stash makers and stash fakers. And, of course, sign up if you'd like to. Uh, This year, we have a fun online fund-a-need and a really exciting raffle prize.
1: Okay, so tell us more about this prize. All right. Uh,
0: You know what? It's a chance to win a Peloton Bike Plus. It comes with um, a 12-month all-access membership. And you can you can uh, get in on the chance. It's a fifty dollar raffle ticket, or you can get six for two fifty. And uh, if the bike isn't your thing and you win, uh, you can actually choose a two thousand five hundred dollar Visa gift card instead. So it's kind of fun.
1: Okay, yeah, that that's a fantastic prize. Uh, now I was a stash maker last year, which means that I actually grew a mustache. So what is a stash faker all about? <laughs>
0: Well, it's a good question. And, uh, you know, everybody can't grow a mustache. So we have a a lot of people of all ages that want to help us. And so the fakers do whatever they can do to attract their friends and on social media. Um, some do kind of put mustache on their pets or they might bake some mustache shaped pastries. You know, people just have a lot of fun and we just, uh, we, people have the ability to add some pictures online. So you can, uh, you can even cover up your mask with a cool, you know, uh, a fake stash. So we um, are looking forward to that this month.
1: That's excellent. Uh, so uh, you're looking for stash donators and, and how would that work?
0: You know, it's pretty simple. You just go online and then you pick any of the profiles and the voting is kind of easy to do. And you do that with, uh, with uh, donating money and all of the proceeds, 100% of them stay right here in Kansas City. And it helps the kiddos in hospice and their families on the carousel team.
1: All right, and uh, why such a lighthearted fundraiser, David?
0: You know, we, we take the inspiration from our carousel team because they're a very serious and dedicated group of professionals. They do their very best every single day. Um, and of course, you know, it's difficult, but I think they, they find joy and fulfillment from the work that they do in a very serious job. So we wanted to do something very fun to honor their spirit and help them with this very special program and give it some funding that
1: it needs. All right. Excellent. Mr. David Wiley, president and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. David, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate you.
0: Thank you, Steve. Good to be here.
1: All right. We'll have more coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1 800 331 6445. Operators are standing by, 1 800 331 6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. And don't forget to check out our podcast of every recent episode of the program, again, at SeniorCareLive.com. And I'll tell you what, tons of people listen to that podcast, so be sure to check that out. And as I had mentioned last week, uh, the podcast was, and actually, let, let me set that record straight. <laughs> this is a radio broadcast on a real radio station soon to be hopefully many radio stations from the largest radio station company in the entire country all right after it airs the broadcast airs then i turn that into a podcast that can be shared listened to after the fact etc so this uh, this program senior care live was ranked number eight of the top 50 senior caregiver podcasts in the country out of thousands and thousands available. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so anyway, uh, feel free to uh, check out. I just thought I'd share that with you. Right? <laughs> so feel free to check that out. And, uh, and again, just go to SeniorCareLive.com and the podcast tab will take you to all the recent ones that are in chronological order. You can listen again, share with friends and family, etc. All right. Just want to say thanks again to my friend and special guest today, David Wiley with Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, and and please join me in this this incredible uh, fundraising event that will benefit the Carousel Pediatric Care. What a program! And as David mentioned, uh, this is a pediatric hospice program. If you can possibly, I can't even imagine that. Can you imagine your child or your grandchild with a terminal illness such as cancer or it could be, you know, some other things? Uh, Most often you hear about cancer. I just it, it just blows me away. So it just takes a very special type of a person to go in and help. That child, and then support that family through this uh, just terrible situation and terrible time. Try to make the best of, of of the of the remaining days and just help the family with that. Uh, I, I cannot imagine so this is a highly highly specialized program the carousel pediatric care it 's a pediatric hospice program, and as David mentioned. It is the only one in the entire region. This is a, a pretty rare program, and they're able to help lots and lots of families in our community. And all of the funds uh, raised in the Mustache Month, which I'm a participant, uh, go to support that carousel pediatric care program and if you would like to contribute anything that you have i have my page up my goal and we're already uh, the money's already starting to come in so i'm really excited about that just go to seniorcarelive.com and just scroll down just a little ways you'll see my mug there with my my mustache is coming in pretty good actually i have to say (laughs) and it shows the goal and uh And kind of that little thermometer register, how close we're getting to our goal. And you can choose one of those amounts or enter your own amount and give that way just very, very securely and easily online. So I would like to invite you uh, to uh, participate in that. And every dollar counts. It stays in our community through Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care through their incredible program called Carousel Pediatric care. So I hope you'll join out uh, join in and, and help out. And thanks for that. Thank you in advance for that. All right, so I wanted to give a Missouri COVID-19 vaccine update. Uh, first of all, and I mentioned a, a few things on Kansas a couple of weeks ago. just want to talk about Missouri briefly here. Uh, so we can cover both uh, sides of the state line here in the KC area. Here is the website. They have a really nice navigator and here's the website it's m o stops m o stops and that's the Missouri COVID-19 Vaccine Navigator if you have questions uh, they also list a phone number 877 435 8411 And uh, if you go to that website, there's a ton. Just like the Kansas website, this one has a ton of information available for residents in the state of Missouri. And Missouri is currently vaccinating Phase 1A which, and it's, it's the same group uh, is in Kansas and maybe all over the country, that includes long-term care facility residents. That so would be long-term care, uh, assisted living, residential care, memory care, et cetera. So uh, any, any place that's caring for elderly individuals, uh, so long-term care facility residents and their staff, OK, very important, because the only way these residents are catching COVID is because the staff is dragging it in from outside of the building. So, so long-term care facility residents and staff, and then also frontline health care workers and paramedics. So that is Phase 1A in Missouri, and they're also, they've expanded it now. Missouri is also vaccinating Phase 1B Tier one, this gets a little confusing. It's a lot easier to read this on the website, (laughs) I have to say, but I'll, I'll do my best here. So vaccinating phase 1B, tier one, and that would include first responders and emergency services, and then public health infrastructure. And they have some examples of what that means. And then the other group that they've added to, you know, currently vaccinating, and that all that is dependent on the number of doses available, and I know that's a frustration, uh, but they're also vaccinating Phase 1B Tier 2, and that would include high-risk individuals. And then here's how they define that. Anyone age 65 and older, and it would also include any adults with significant health conditions that would put them at a much higher risk than if you did not have these health conditions. And that would include any adults with cancer because, you know, with the treatment that's going to, that's really going to compromise your immune system. So uh, so with, with cancer, chronic kidney disease, heart conditions, uh, weakened immunity systems due to organ transplants, severe obesity, pregnancy, sickle cell disease, type 2 diabetes, and uh, individuals with intellectual or Developmental disabilities such as Down syndrome. So, uh, all of the folks who would fall into this category uh, that they're saying 1B tier two, you are also eligible to get in line to get your vaccine. And then, currently in Missouri, according to the website and this navigator, approximately 550,000 people have now received at least one dose of one of the vaccines and about 170,000 people have received the second dose. Uh, so obviously you're going to see the number, you know, that 170, you're going to see that over the next couple of weeks climb clear up to uh, to meet that that 550,000 number. And and again, not enough. Uh, I think it's a it's an issue of just uh, do we have enough vaccine and you know, obviously we don't. But there was a news, and I won't do the senior care in the news. I'll just share with you. I was really, really excited uh, to to hear this, uh, that Pfizer, the company Pfizer, has improved their production process to produce a dose of vaccine, check this out, in half the time, in half the time. So by ramping up production and improving efficiency, uh, the 200 million doses scheduled for July delivery will now be delivered in May, which is that's huge. That's huge. So 200 million doses, and you have to have two shots. That will vaccinate a hundred million people. That's almost a third of the population of the country. And that's just from one vaccine manufacturer. We have, you know, we have Moderna uh, and they're pumping out the vaccines. Johnson and Johnson has requested an emergency use authorization. You have uh, AstraZeneca out there and they're getting close. So, you know, I just, I really feel like help is is absolutely on the way and that uh, this whole nightmare is going to be behind us here, maybe sooner than I had anticipated. And I think it all depends on getting, uh, you know, a Seventy-five to eighty percent vaccinated, uh, acquiring that herd immunity uh, goal, and then uh, at that point, I, I think uh, life goes a lot more back to normal. Although I've warned everyone, I'm I'm a little cynical. Uh, I don't think the folks in power are going <laughs> to relinquish that power anytime soon. Uh, but but the good news is uh, it, I can definitely see the light at the end of the tunnel. Now, my wife had a reaction with the Moderna vaccine. And uh, the first one uh, she, she got, her arm was uh, in just outrageously sore. Uh, it, it, it was sore and it just got worse and worse and worse overnight. And then the next day it was pretty sore and then it kind of faded away. So it was about a day and a half of uh, not a sore arm, but a severely sore arm at the shot site where the, the, invex, uh, the, the injection site. Uh, now with her second one, she felt pretty good for 24 hours. And then right at the 24-hour mark, she started going downhill pretty bad. And uh, this thing just put her down and out, put her in bed like uh, really heavy flu symptoms. Every joint in her body ached. Uh, she had a temperature of almost 101, and uh, she was not doing well. And listen, my wife never calls in to sick to, sick, uh, to work, and she called in that day. She said, "There's no way I'm go- I'm going to make it today." So, uh, and then after that, it really started fading away very quickly, and then she felt perfectly fine. The next day, so uh, that is just you know one person's reaction. But I'll tell you what I've been hearing about that reaction consistently with the Moderna vaccine. And coming up next, I'll share Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, visit SeniorCareLive.com. All right. So previously, I shared my wife's reaction. She thought she was going to get off lucky. <laughs> so she had her uh, her second Moderna vaccine injection on a Tuesday afternoon, you know, right, around, right around 5 p.m., and then that evening, I said, well, how, how are you feeling? You know, you hear all the horror stories and stuff. And and she said, just a little sore on the arm, not nearly as sore as the first time. I'm actually feeling okay. And the next day, she was feeling fine. And then um, she was making dinner, and she said, oh, wow, I'm not feeling so good. So literally 24 hours later, just about on the money, she started going downhill and then I was at a meeting that evening, didn't get home till about 930. And she kept sending me pictures of our digital thermometer. And it just kept going up and up and up and up. And I think she hit 100.9, it was just about 101. And then that's where that stopped. But she had aches and pains everywhere. Uh, she was so uncomfortable. She couldn't sleep all night long. And then the next day, she said her hips hurt. She could hardly walk. She was in bad shape. Called in sick, and again she never does that, and and so that's when I knew she was really hurting because she just doesn't call in sick, and so uh, she just kind of laid around and took it easy, and then it started subsiding after lunch time, and then around dinner time, so about a, just about another perfect twenty four hour window, she was feeling much better, and then of course she went to work the next day, she's fine, so, uh, so that's that one. Now my mom. She's over sixty-five, and we were fortunate to get her signed up uh, in one of the uh, Olathe Health System clinics. Uh, and they have three locations doing the uh, injections for Olathe Health System patients, and my mom is one of them. And so she went in, and they are distributing the Pfizer vaccine uh, for in in this round. And she went in, and she said they just they were perfect. She said, you went in, there was no confusion. It was just smooth, just as smooth as glass. She said, they had this down just like clockwork. It was. She was just really, really impressed. And then once you had your vaccine, then you had to wait for 15 minutes. And once the 15 minutes up, how are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. And they said, okay, you're free to go. And she came out because I, I couldn't go in with her, uh, but I, I dropped her off. And then she came out to the car and she said, it was just great. And then I checked in with her several times throughout the evening so, uh, it. You know, how you feeling? Oh, I'm I'm feeling fine. And so she she said my arm is a little sore, but about like the flu shot that you get, not a big deal. And uh, she that's it, that's it. She didn't have any symptoms. And and I'm hearing this consistently. And I'm not knocking Moderna, but I'm hearing consistently. I've talked to a lot of people over the last few weeks, and Moderna seems to have more of these uh, symptoms. Uh, versus the Pfizer vaccine, which seems to have you know fewer symptoms, maybe even no symptoms. And that's just an unscientific you know observation. Uh, you know you could have reactions to either one of these vaccines, but I've been hearing a lot of consistency uh, with with both of these, you know one way and the other. So I uh, just wanted to share that with you. I thought it was pretty interesting. And then last week, uh, toward the end of the program, I was talking about how to maximize your care in a senior care community, and I was just, I was running out of time, so I kind of had to hustle through a couple of these points, and, and I kind of hated doing that. I want to back up and just reiterate a couple of these. Uh, so if there is an issue uh, with, with you or a loved one living in a senior care community, again, it could be residential care, assisted living. Uh, it could be a home plus uh, community it could be uh, an intermediate care facility or it could be a long term care community so you know any of those levels of care if there is an issue i would strongly encourage you to uh, to try to work that out with uh, the management there uh, in the in the community and and do all you can and usually that will take care of it in most places that do a good job and are really trying they're going to take care of the issue whatever that might be okay it could be a minor issue it could be a major issue but they're going to do their best if the issue is not resolved to your satisfaction or you see that they're just they're not taking it seriously they're not doing a darn thing okay it is your right to file a complaint with the state of Kansas or Missouri or any state you should uh, you should be living in. This This program is listened to all around the country. Uh, but let me provide a couple of local phone numbers for residents in Kansas and Missouri. And and look, I would use this this filing, the complaint, I would do this really as a last resort. So in Kansas, I would call 1-800-842-0078. In Missouri, you can call one 800 392 0210 uh, and and again don't call for for anything and everything it, this needs to be a, a serious issue when you call in a complaint like that but it's your right to do so and then i talked about when you move into your new home in one of these care communities uh, don't don't take anything that's really valuable uh, you know when my grandpa stayed in an assisted living community for a while and he loved, and, and I'm not sure why, but he liked to carry around cash in his wallet and that made him feel secure and happy. And sometimes, uh, you know, when, when he was doing well, he would carry around two, 300, 400 bucks in his wallet. And that always made grandma kind of nervous. <laughs> what if you lost your wallet? Ouch. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so that was still important to him, even with his dementia living in assisted living. So, and he, sometimes he would give it away or he would tip someone and, and, uh, and cause he was just very kind. He would give you the shirt off his back. I'm telling you that. So what, what I did was I put several $1 bills in his wallet and I kind of wrinkled them up. So when they put set together, they were, it was kind of wide. It was kind of fat in his wallet. And, uh, and and he would give one out here there uh, you know because it made him happy uh, but we didn't bleed you know a ton of money out of there we, he wasn't at risk for losing a ton of money if if he lost his wallet or heavens forbid you know if someone took his wallet so, uh, so and you know there's a local community that does a great job and uh, they had a re- they had a complaint by a um a family that you know their mother's jewels uh, were taken and uh, and so it were like well why did you send your mother to the nursing home with like really expensive jewels so they did recover them and it was a happy ending but uh, it's a big mistake to do that if it's important for your loved one to wear jewelry get some costume jewelry uh, get get something inexpensive don't send just don't send in tens of thousands of dollars of jewelry it's just by and large it's just a really bad idea. So so just a tip for you on those uh, on those couple of things to uh, wrap that one up. And then just wanted to say happy Valentine's Day to my lovely wife Susan. I have no clue how she puts up with me. <laughs> and i'm not even kidding about that so <laughs> but uh uh many years ago uh i took her to to dinner here in overland park and i was i was really nervous i had the the rock in in my pocket and i was hoping i didn't have a hole in my pocket but uh i i i pulled the ring out i dropped down on one knee and I asked her, Susan, will you marry me? And she didn't say yes. She says, of course. <laughs> so so uh, that was just really cool. I was oblivious to everyone around us. Everyone stood up and they were clapping and cheering. It was an awesome uh, experience. And we're going to go back to that same restaurant uh, uh, this, this weekend just to uh, uh, revisit the scene of the crime, as we say. <laughs> so anyway, just wanted to say uh, happy anniversary to my lovely wife, Susan, and I hope you have a wonderful Uh, uh, a wonderful valentine's day uh, with uh, with you and yours as well all right i'm your host steve keeker and i wish you grace and peace may god bless you and your family on this day and always join me next week right here on senior care life (laughs)